This is London, standing on the feet of idiots. And welcome to Standing on the Feet of Idiots, uh, the internet podcast that's taking the internet by storm. <laughs> that's not true, but we wish it was. Uh, imagine if we are, and the internet could be taken by storm. As ever, I'm joined by Ian. Say hi, Ian. Hi, yeah. Hi, yeah. And today we're going to be um, in the teeth of all the evidence. We're going to be going back to our philosoph um, yep. podcast, um, sort of uh, amendment to our regular podcast, in which we take two pop philosophers mm-hmm. and we pit them head to head in a series of gr- gr- grunging, no, gr- grunging. grueling, grueling. Oh yes, yes, and grueling. grunging. Grunging would. Well, if it was uh, if it was Kurt Cobain, it'd be grunging or something like that. <laughs> a series of grunging and grueling um, tasks. Um, to see which is the best. So, what are the? Do we do? Should we t- say what the subjects are we're doing this week, or what the? Yeah, let's say what the subjects uh, up yeah. for the rounds are this week, and then we reveal who our um, pop princesses of philosophy are. And that doorbell was either a, a guest broadcaster or my neighbour popping around. I'm not sure which. So, just to keep oh. you on the edge of things. Oh, is this your? Um, would this be the neighbour who uh, who's written the book, or a different na- the na- uh, neighbour? No, it's not. It's not. Um, Derek Negotiator Man. No, I think it's possibly our other name. I hear a female voice. I suspect it's a it's a parcel issue. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, a parcel was delivered to you earlier, and now the neighbours pop round. Something like this. It, it's this kind of banter that is the reason we're taking the internet by storm. Well, that's it's just to keep you on the seat of your pants. This is why yeah. this is a live podcast. You could find something smooth and polished on HBO or whatever they like to call it if you want to, but you know, you want something raw and edgy. You found the right place. Yes, if you're looking for something with more bo, then we're the people who yes. have the bo for you. Um, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just going to run with the the podcast that's taken the internet by storm until mm. it, until it becomes true. I yes, guess, you know, I, I understand that's basically how marketing works. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the the subjects for the rounds are love. Yes. Yes. War. Yes. Death. Yes. Philosophy. Yes. Food. Food. And a wild, and a wild card. card. Yes. Ooh, to be revealed in the Okay. So those I guess the... we ought to say, because then it's against the second uh, first round, that whoever comes out today could end up playing, um, oh, I kind of take that, Gary Barlow in a kind of semi final philosophical. Right. Okay. Morrissey, Morrissey was eliminated by Gary Barlow in a shock defeat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's it is a bit depressing that you know in, in a philo- a pop philosopher battle one on one mano a mano mm-hmm. Morrissey got taken out at the first round by yes. Gary Barlow. Yes. Um, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, it's, it's well it's, done. It's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's an area of your life you're not getting back. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like to congratulate it's about you. Two on... hours of ours because we prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess I've secretly given away the, the level of preparation we do. It's about an hour's preparation for an hour's podcast. <laughs> yes, that's right. I regularly spend an hour on it. <laughs> um, so, shall we hit up? What are the two pop philosophers going head to head today? Well, Ian, I'm, representing, I'm representing Mr. Thomas Dolby, 80s electronica keyboard whiz. And inventor of the sound reduction software? No, I think... Oh, oh you've reached an interesting story there. Because I think <laughs> that when he was in the sixth form, he was interested in all things electronic, and his friends nicknamed him Dolby. So he took it as his professional musical name, Thomas Dolby. Wow. that's I don't feel that's a story told to his credit in a way, but uh, it could be wrong. That uh, he had a nerdy sixth form and um, got a nickname. Well... This is the internet. This is a podcast. You know, this is normal. Everyone here had an early six form or um, <laughs> if you're American, majored in something and hang out by some lockers or whatever it is you do instead of Yeah. Once again, Ian is using quotation air quotation marks on a podcast. It's, yeah. He's not learning. He's not learning. Um, <laughs> OK, so you're bringing Thomas Dolby, who I have to say I've never heard of. Oh, man. So this could get interesting. Mm-hmm. 
um, I'm I'm bringing to the table. Um, imagine you're walking down the street, and you look over, and you see some people who you've just met, and you give them the funniest looks. Yes. Hey, hey, hey! Who those guys. Be? Who's who would that be? It's the monkeys. Ooh. And monkeys, topical at the moment. Just about to release a new album. Blimey. Uh, all yeah. four of them? Uh, all four of them apart from the one who's dead, yes. Oh, okay. Davy Jones, less active in this album. Oh, is he dead? Uh, yes, dead. yes. Sorry to break it to you like well, this. I, I can't think of a worse way of doing it. But um, Yeah, no, he, he was the first to go. But yes, they've just released a new album and they've just uh, released a new song called She Makes Me Laugh, written by the guy from Weezer. It's actually quite good. Have a listen. Um, so very topical. And um, all right. Round one. Um, love. Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought you were just talking to me then. Yeah, the topic of love. Yes. Oh, bless. Oh. Do you want to take your pleasure? I've got two Thomas Dolby lyrics on the love. Okay. Shall I go with them? Uh, yeah, why not? The, the first is from a song called Close But No Cigar, which I think is about that kind of... Um, I want a bit more than that, but you kind of know it isn't going to go the distance and therefore you kind of don't get too far into it. It's a sad thing. Uh, so, she came to breakfast and stayed a week, but the lie detectors broke time, broke down every time she tried to speak. Broke down when she said came close, close but no cigar, you didn't miss by far. So I think he's exploring a bit of love that is rarely explored in the world of pop and rock, and most of love is well explored in pop and rock, you know, there's kind of I love yeah. you, I miss you, I'm going to die without you type stuff which gets done to death, but this kind of, you're pretty good but we haven't quite got it, I think it's quite a rare thing to explore lyrically by pop philosophers and contributes to the greatness of uh, Thomas Dolby. Yeah, yeah, no, fair Second enough. lyric from a song called Urges, which is a bit more uh, primal. Lots of pop and love songs talk about you know strong teenage type urges, teenage kicks, if you like. But this one has a slightly, hmm, slightly, slightly fusky edge to it. So, urges, urges, he gets these urges he don't want to talk about. Heartfelt urges, he gets these urges. He's not supposed to talk about. Oh, so, dark as you like, really. Yeah. So what's he's getting urges? Yes. He doesn't for... want to talk about them, but he's not supposed to talk about them. What so, are these? What are these urges? Are we left to guess what these urges are, or? Well, you could take it as you know your your, your normal. Uh, teenage rising of sap or you could take it anywhere on the road to serial killer so kind of pitch it where you like it's got that kind of not spelt out type of which worked well in song it works yes as well in uh, textbooks but uh, it works well in songs it does paul mccartney should take note you don't literally have to say that you love the person every five words of the song or five lines of the song it's, it's, it's not necessary. Or okay, gives, I've got. Or gives the geodesic reference of the Mount Kintyre at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Paul McCartney. We, we haven't touched on Paul McCartney for a while, but Mount Kintyre. It's just like, can't you just see something without having to write a song about it? Mm. Yes. Because like, he brought the Mount Kintyre, didn't he? Is that where it comes oh, from? Did he? Right. Or he brought a house on it or something? And yeah, like, yeah. What can I do about all right a song about it? It's just mm, like it's yeah. just, he's like a man with a camera who has to take a picture of everything. He's, so he's, it could easily have been in a state agent's office or yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't covered that as probably yeah, one of yeah. state agents. Okay, I've got one I've got a monkey's one, which is a, a more of a tale of um uh love regret. Regret mm. of love, the mm -hmm. failure of love. Mm -hmm. Um and it's called If I Ever Get to Saginaw Again. Mm. Okay, um, and essentially it's the song of somebody who has made a poor choice in life and 
was once with a girl and loved her very much, but then left uh, and just looks back and regrets. If I ever get to Saginaw again, I will get to see the son who bears my name and perhaps I'll quietly withdraw again when I see the little man that he became and how I yearn to watch him grow. A father's love is all it maybe takes to not repeat those sad mistakes of men if I ever get to Saginaw again. Saginaw is a real place, is it? That's not California. It sounds Texas or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's sung by Mike Nesmith, who is from Texas. So, yeah. um, um, but I think it's it's basically he was in love, and then it's the song hints it might have been the law that took him away, or it may have been he left or whatever. But it's it's the regret of you know mm. realizing that that love was pure and could have been good, and yeah, um, he's yeah, lost yeah. it now. Yeah, he can't go back and see his son, and I'm impressed yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can only see that we call that one a heat, a dead heat. Uh, strong stuff from both artists on the other side. I feel strong stuff from both artists again. Yes, I, I think, I think so. I, I, um, I think Dol Dolby's one in a sense is, um, he's it, it, it's. It's a very sort of dark, interesting lyric, mm. but almost because he doesn't develop it, mm. you're left to work out what it means it yourself. So he's sort of posing a question rather than providing an answer. Mm -hmm. Yes, which, yeah. as a philosopher, you kind of your job is to do the latter. Really, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't really have any views on life, but there's a few questions. No, we, you know, it's like a dustman saying, well, you know, uh, I haven't taken any rubbish, but I've had to look through it. Uh, yeah. You, you can. No, no, mate. The clue is in the, is in the question. You will yeah. be doing this thing. Yeah. Providing the questions, we had those already. But yes. Yes. Now got more. Yes. Um, so, generally speaking, we're now worse off than before. Yes. The ratio of answered questions to unanswered questions is just tilted in the, in the <laughs> direction of where we were hoping to go. Yes. He made a count. Yes. It's a poor attitude, particularly for appearing on a pub quiz. Yes. Uh, or... Which philosophers often did. They had some killer teams. Yeah. Um, and also philosophers were famous for bringing the idea of a, of a pub team name that when you said it aloud sounded a bit rude. <laughs> Yes. Which I think was a breakthrough. Yes. Um, it's, it, it, it's easier to do if your surname is Kant, but, you know, um, it, it, <laughs> they certainly pushed it forward. Yes. Mm. It's, it's bless Kant and all who say Yes. Um, the Kant okay. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, a bunch of. No, no, no. Look, okay. it, it, it was. I the, think final, the, the final Kant down. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Why not play along at home? Think of the word can't and see if you can work it into a sentence. I think you'll find we can't. Yes. Oh, very. Yes. Right. Excellent. Good. Okay. Round one was a dead heat for um, so. basically depression, depressing thoughts about love. Really. Yes. <laughs> so you've got the kind of unfulfilled urges, the kind of love that's good but no good, and the one that got away. So that's. Uh, yeah, the regret, regret. But Morrissey would have done better at this. Really. <laughs> yeah, Morrissey, love, he's easy. Yeah. Uh, actually, where would Morrissey come in on love? Uh, unrequited. <laughs> Every way. Uh, yeah. yeah, we slag off Paul McCartney, but, you know, he might have run that round with just, uh, um, hey, I love you, or um, people say they've had enough of silly love songs. What's wrong with that? Yes. Um that kind of thing. Okay, well, next up, we've got war. Mm. War! What is it good for? It's good for business, if you're Billy Bragg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, uh, well, that, now, that's good from Billy Bragg. He's posing the question. He's giving the answer. Yeah. Well, actually, he's um, subverting somebody else's answer to the question. So it's got um, slow sound while I try to think. Um, Edwin Starr, uh, war, what's it good for? It's good for nothing, uh, absolutely nothing. Say it again. So Edwin Starr, 
Anyway, someone won't write in and not tell us, but um, he subverts that to say yes. it's good for business. Ha ha! He's seen his, uh, his Marxist capitalist world. Good. Is he? Is he? Is he in favour? I must say, I've gained a slight new respect for um, Billy Bragg um, with his critique of Tony Blair, followed by the recent revelations of Blair and the Chinese. It's kind of right, you haven't yeah. worth looking up. Um, yeah. Okay. Next up. Round two! War! And the monkeys are going to kick yeah, it off? Yeah, monkeys kick it off, okay? War. Okay, this is probably going to surprise you. Mm. Okay? The last they train to clock... They war. The no. last... <laughs> They're pro-war. Pro <laughs> like Elvis or John Wayne, you know. Ooh. Uh, no, no. Last train to Clarksville. Yes. Now. Last train to Clarksville. Anti-war song. The... Last train to the Russian front, particularly the town of Clarksville. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to run through probably the first two verses, and then I explain why it's an anti-war song. Take the last train to Clarksville, yes. and I'll meet you at the station. Yes. You can be there by four thirty because I made your reservation. Don't be slow. Oh no no no. Oh no no no. Okay, with me so far. Not I'm feeling quite confident on Thomas Dolby's behalf at this point. Because I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> carrying the better player. <laughs> I'm leaving in the morning, and I must see you again. Yes. We'll have one more night together till the morning brings my train, and I must go. Oh no no no! Oh no no no! Oh no no no! And here it is, because I don't know if I'm ever coming home. Oh come on! Yeah. 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 It's uh, and then you got the last verse. Take the last train to Clarksville, and I must hang up the phone. I can't hear you in this noisy railway station all alone. This is a war going on. I'm feeling low. <laughs> oh no, no, no! And I don't know if I'm ever coming home. So now this is. I mean, it's, uh, yes, it's 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 it's. What's interesting is that Bobby Boyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? It's no, it's Tony Boyle and Bobby Hart. Yes. So Hart and Boyle who wrote it. Yes. So they were commissioned to write a section of pop hits for the Monkees for their yes. first and second albums. And they were, you know, asked to do cheery, upbeat pop songs, mm -hmm. which they did. But as artists, they wanted to smuggle something in. Yes. Um, so what they did with Last Train to Clarksville is basically tell the story of a soldier who's going off to war and does not know whether he's ever coming back. Yeah, but turn it into a pop team anthem. Mm -hmm. so, so you say smuggler. So my idea of a smuggler is someone who gets things through surreptitiously. Yeah, I can see on the last train to Clarksville, the anti-war message has been hidden. Yeah, I'm not sure it's actually got through, and sure that's only half of being a smuggler. Yes, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Um, see, I get a vision rather of these uh, two singers in the sixties trying to smuggle through messages. I get a vision of you. Ten minutes ago, thinking I've got five of the categories and I can't find war and monkeys, war and monkeys, war and monkeys. And you're going through these lyrics that you've looked through before, frankly, and not been able to find the war reference. You're going through for the third time, thinking, well, what if I give Ian some old blarney about last train to Clarksville being about uh, the war? I mean, for instance, which war uh, featured the town of Clarksville? Vietnam. Vietnam. Okay. Vietnam. okay. Clarksville was a soldier depot for um, where the soldiers would depart. Because I'm not an etymologist, but it doesn't sound particularly Vietnamese to me. No, that's Ho Chi Minh City. I can get, you know, I can, I can, I can see the familiar feel and the kind of Clark, that Clarksville would be Clarksville was the American point where they then departed to go for war. Mm -hmm. So he's saying he's about to join the troop train in Clarksville. He wants yes. her to catch a train to Clarksville to see him off. Right. Well, presumably, if she's his high school sweetheart, they live in the same town anyway. So why why are you presuming it's his high school sweetheart? Because every American marries their high school. <laughs> but the thing with the lockers is just what they do. Yes. Yeah. Usually in the basketball court. I don't know. Yeah. And the bleachers. What is a bleacher? But behind that. Okay. And um... the bleachers. And that's just the teachers. And All right. In that case, since your claim seems to be resting on I was desperately reaching around for a monkey's song about war, yeah. I'm going to bring in one uh, one from a bit earlier, 
yeah. bit later in the monkey's well period. i do hope and it mentions aspects of war more specifically i want at least a, a tank to be mentioned or something like that rather, all right okay rather than the stopping off station when i right, think you're going to this i think you're about to look a bit silly Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be right back after this break <laughs> we're still looking for a sponsor other than the nazi party yes uh, anyone for various reasons in that we don't feel we're backing a winner they i mean they had they had a good run early to mid 30s yes and promise but kind of since about 41 42 the wind's gone out of their sails i feel yes you know? um, so if you're somebody looking to sponsor a podcast mm-hmm. and you're thinking uh, our ethics are slightly better than the Nazi party. Or worse. <laughs> oh, we're, going, we're taking for worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, as long as they're kind of, their business is on the up. Right. You know, having a podcast, well, having anything sponsored by the Nazi party in 2016 is a bit like owning a Betamax video recorder. It's kind of... What they, we wish we were sponsored by someone who was a bit more popular, like the Soviet... The so the the, the 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 whatever the Soviet Party was called in, in uh, yes so something that was around at the same time but actually was a bit better yes but actually in fact didn't have as high quality B two X higher quality than when you say quality <laughs> you want to yes just just spell it out a bit uh, no I I think I've <laughs> I think I've gone in as far as I'm willing right. to go okay the nice uh, now, party the quality party that's... well the uniforms they were highly they're very stylish uniforms, possibly. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It's almost like talking about your podcast being sponsored by the Nazi party is an inherently risky thing to do. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Don't know. So, yes, that's where we are. If you're looking to support the internet, the podcast that's taking the internet by storm, yes. and you think you can pitch to us better than the current Nazi party's pitch, then we're listening to hear from you. And that can't be hard because the last one died twenty years ago. <laughs> yes. um, okay, and we're back after that quick commercial break. Yeah, um, there's someone's going to tell us explicitly about war from the monkeys. Yeah, I, I think without, you're about, without faffing about. I think you. I think you are about to be quite surprised. Okay, this is Mummy and Daddy by Mickey Dolins. Yep, the guy with the frizzy hair and the monkeys. Ask your mummy and daddy. Ask your mummy if she really gets off on all her pills. Ask your daddy why that soldier doesn't care who he kills. After they put you down to sleep and tuck you safely in the bed, whisper to mummy and daddy, would it matter if the bullet went through the head? If it was my blood spilling all on the kitchen floor, if it was my blood, mummy, would you care a little more? And don't be surprised if they turn and start to cry and tell your mummy and daddy, tell your mummy and daddy, scream it to your mummy and daddy. They're living in a lie, a lie. It's all a lie, a lie, a lie, a lie. They nicked that off um, Simon and Garfunkel, lie, 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 lie. It's in the cheeky monkeys. I I remember, uh, yeah, Art Garfunkel singing about would it matter if the bullet went through my head and it was my blood spilling all over the kitchen floor. Now confess got, it. That surprised that surprised you for a monkey's life. Got bullet. It's got soldier in it. It's explicitly about war. Yes. It's got blood spilling on the kitchen floor. It's a... not explicitly about war, but the bullet I think are smoking guns. Yeah. You know, lots of songs are about blood that aren't about war. Yeah. Um, other lyrics in it are: Ask your mummy and daddy what happened to the Indians. Why are they all living in places with too much snow? Uh, ask your Mummy and Daddy. Uh, <laughs> ask your mummy and daddy what happened to who really killed JFK. Oh, uh, in there. Podcast. Yeah. Um, and then for some strange reason, it talks about the Kings of EMI at one point, which was uh, the monkey's code for the Beatles. So I don't know why they were lumping them in with this uh, protest song. Oh, well, because um, obviously, as Brits, they were imperialists. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of challenged me there for a harder edge uh, war thing, and I think that's pretty hard edge for a for yeah, what's yeah. okay. So Thomas Dolby's pick on warfare goes for a particular um, sphere of warfare, rarely covered. That is uh, the war under the sea. Um, under the sea. Yeah, not in, uh, 
He probably did see the Jupiter Yellow submarine because it, it was a nuclear submarine, so wouldn't you? Because that's the kind of best you'd probably do. But they, <laughs> um, but they also named their theatre for uh, specifically the Baltic. So this is from one of our submarines by Thomas Dolden. The Baltic moon along the northern seaboard, and down below, the winter boys are waiting for the storm. Bye bye, empire, empire, bye bye. Shallow waters, channel, and tide. You see? So it brings together the reality of war, submarine in the Baltic. Yes. It brings together you know, the winter boys, clearly um, you know, very young men uh, brought out against their, their will, full of propaganda, the winter boys. And of course, you know, the, the Second World War ended empire. Bye bye, empire, empire, bye bye. It, it kind of military industrial complex undermined there, I think. Okay. Mm. So what's he saying? War's a bad thing? He comes out against, yeah. Yeah, he's against. And I think uh, the monkeys are against it as well. So. Like more strongly, so I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're more explicit, aren't they? I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, they give their poor old mum a hard time. Yeah. Seems You've to be got... their mum for the war, which is... Mm. Harsh. Yes. I don't know. Maybe she voted Republican as well, but yeah. Well, I think the Democrats were in favour of the Vietnam War too. I suppose. They were. You know, this is one of the points. This is like. Yeah, which way did you go? Yeah. Yeah, it's mummy and daddy. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Are we talking about the the monkeys' mums? Didn't one of the monkeys, the, the legend that one of the monkeys' mums invented Tippex? It's no legend. Oh, Mike, oh, Nes- oh. Mike Nesmith's mum, Mike Nesmith, the one with the bobble hat. No, the, the, the sort of woolly hat. Mike Nesmith's the one who went on to have a pretty impressive country rock career after the monkeys and brackets possibly invented MTV uh, brackets, disputed brackets. <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, his mother invented liquid paper. There you go. As it's called in America. Our American cousins called it liquid paper. How are you? How are you? you like I am fine. I like to apply liquid paper. <laughs> I have made a mistake or error. <laughs> Therefore, I must apply liquid paper to it, thereby so correcting my half error. Half our audience lost in the first 10 minutes of the show. Oh, no, is that bloke from um, Albany switched off? <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure you don't say liquid paper. You probably use brown name. No, I think they do say I mean, to be fair, liquid paper is what it is. Tipex, what's that? Well, I mean, it's liquid paper. But... I don't think it is liquid paper. I don't think it only adds an existing bit of paper. You can't start a document with liquid paper. Can you? you can't say, "Oh, I haven't got any paper, but I've got I've got any regular paper, but I've got some in liquid form." This is my starting point. So you say, "Well, okay, instant custard isn't something you add to custard to boost it. It's some it's a way of creating custard." The liquid right. paper is um, a paper booster, a paper augmenter, a paper repairer. But to say it's liquid paper is uh, foolhardy and floral. I'm not, I'm, not, um, I'm not interested enough to argue with you on that. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. So well, where, where, where are we? My people where are, are not we interested on... enough to listen to the show, so you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. It's reached a pretty point when the co-host of the podcast is no longer interested in to take part. We're not just listeners, we're actually... So where we go? We almost need a third person to adjudicate on all this, but where are we going? Well, the first philosoph off, we seem to resolve these things okay, but this one just seemed to have kind of got very adversarial. Yeah, um... Twitter. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of more adversarial because your original was like, huh, call that an anti-war song. So I feel like I came in then with a second anti-war song, which was more powerful. When you say you came in with a second anti-war song, you came in with a first anti-war song. So, <laughs> <laughs> Clarkson, this this military depot, is it? Right. Along the 40th parallel in Vietnam? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I've got a pretty good idea. Yeah. Mm. I don't yeah. Know. Do you know, there are probably, I can think off the top of my head, there are probably another three songs from the monkeys about war. <laughs> There's war, war Games. Yes. Uh, which have got, did you buy your tickets for the War Games? Are yeah. you glad that you're sitting at the back? Yes. Goodbye, eh? 
Um, then there's one, the, the Monkey's War chant, which is, give me a W, W, give me an A, A, give me an R, R, what does it spell? War. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, Zig and Zog, which is yes. uh, Zig and Zog. They, um, Are they towns the... in North, North Korea, as, North Vietnam as well? <laughs> no. Sounds like they're... they should be. Uh, yeah, I think they're stage think depots for soldiers. Zig I think they're some sort of ancient myth, mythical oh. kings, and and basically it's a song about mythical. they gave a war and nobody came. Okay. Um, so yeah. So that can't be the Vietnam War. There's lots. No. Of no, that probably wasn't. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I don't know where we're not on a dead. Are we a dead heat again, or? Um, oh, I think if it's we, a hung jury, we have to call it a. No one scored. We've got a dead heat on the first round and a hung jury on the on the wall round. I think yep. what we can do is 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 try and force a tie break by moving on, and this creates what I call dramatic tension by moving on to the third round. Round three. Fight. So it's the death. Death and raise after your eyes. So it's uh, Thomas Dolby to kick off. What okay. Topic. Would you like him to kick off on? Sorry, what? Which of the topics would you like to go next? Uh, well, round three is death. Death. Okay, goes to... Yes, so this is from Thomas Dolby's Armageddon. Armageddon, exclamation mark, child of the revolution, victim of thought pollution, showtime for good and evil, no time for restitution, showdown for good and evil, no time for absolution, Armageddon, exclamation mark. Okay. Yeah, dealing with... I mean, that's... Pure death is Armageddon's the most yeah. deathly death there is. It, the, you can't get no more death than that, can you? Oh, as, far, it's, as far as yeah, it, it, it's death, isn't it? It's death. Um, so he's saying death. Yeah, that, that's it, really. Mm-hmm. Did did he go on? Was there another song on the album, or did he finish there? Don't know. I haven't got the album listing here, so yeah. Because it's kind of like after that, what do you follow it up with? You know, a, a quick yeah. sort of yeah. happy, well, could... happy little tune about a chip shop down the road or something. Uh, I suppose the old days of vinyl, you could put it on the end of your first side. So at least people had that clunk and a thing to yeah. get used to it. But yeah, you're right. It's it's yeah, your ordering would be very important for that one. You probably want to put it on at least on the right. side. It reminds me a bit. So you know the song um, Eve of Destruction. Destruction. Tell me over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Hold on, aren't you, boy? You can't imagine, boy. Um, so it's a sort of uh, 60s song called Eve of Destruction. Yeah. It's a very nihilistic one. And it was originally offered to the birds. Oh, yeah. And they didn't take it. And the reason they didn't take it was because it's basically a song about the eve of destruction and there's nowhere else to go. Mm. So once you've done the world is just on the eve of being destroyed or being destroyed, that's it really. Where, where, where's the, what do you do next? Yeah. You'd need to write a song called, Oh, it was a false alarm or something. Like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hold your sorry. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Got that slightly wrong. Yeah. Um, it, it's a bit. Um, it's a bit like sort of. Um, there's certain cards you can only play once, and once you played them, they're out of the box, kind of. Thing. Oh, I see. Like, yeah, like could... the. Uh, like the King Tiger in Top Trunks. Top Trunks tanks. Yeah. 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 Or. Um, <laughs> or, um, or 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 like resigning from the government. It yes. only is effective once. Yes. So Claire Short, if you follow her career, she went a bit too, you know, she went at the wrong time kind of thing. She didn't, you know, you know she missed her opportunity to resign. And once you've resigned, you know, you you, you can't do it again. No. Um, no. You can't accuse somebody of lying twice. Because yes. if you accuse them of lying once and they get away with it, yeah. accusing them of lying again isn't going to be effective because they've already yeah. escaped that charge. Yeah. So I don't know. So the monkeys... Monkey's entry again is a is a more, I would say, a more subtle approach uh, than Thomas Doldy. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> your your what you call subtle, I call indirect, <laughs> or even irrelevant. 
So your subtle war song was about Clarksville, a train station, cleaning yeah. boats in Vietnam. No. You can't get yep. subtler and yep. than that. And yet we keep returning to that as a lyric rather than <laughs> there are some Russian soldiers under the sea in a submarine. Um, right. Okay. Uh, Shades of Grey. When the world and I were young, just yesterday, life was such a simple game a child could play. It was easy then to tell right from wrong. Easy hang then on, to tell. Hang on, hang on. When I was younger, so much younger than today. Surely, no. surely. And I was younger, so and much younger yes. than today. So, is your, is your, is your crew... I've used it already this evening, but surely, you know, sitting off both um, Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles in, the, in, the, in uh, perhaps one album is a bit much. <laughs> the, um, are you basically criticising because they've used the word young? No, it was more, you know... <laughs> and they're dealing with themes of ageing and you're kind of like, well, the Beatles have dealt with the theme of ageing. Another 60s group comes along. Oi! No! The Beatles have already done that! Give it a bit of a lyric again. I suspect it's got more in common with when I was All right. today than the word young. All right. When I was young, when the world and I were young. La, 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 la. Just yesterday. La, 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 la. La, love, la, la, la. love. Life is such a simple game. I don't think you're giving them a fair hearing here. A child could play. It was easy then to tell right from wrong. Easy then to tell weak from strong. When a man should stand and fight or just go along. But today there is no day or night. Today there is no dark or light. Today there is no black or white. There's only shades of grey. I remember when the answers seemed so clear. When we had never lived with doubt or tasted fear. It was easy then to tell truth from lies, selling out from compromise, who to love and who to hate, the foolish from the wise. But today there is no day or light. Today there is no dark or light. Today there is no black or white. There's only shades of grey. Surely that's a song about doubt and uncertainty, not death. Uh, could be. But I've used up my death one because I had to bring it in when we did the war one. <laughs> As your game plan falls apart, you know, don't make it look like my fault. Yes. Uh, I mean, so just, to, just to fill the listeners in, there was some pre-episode discussion of what the categories were and there's some last minute switching around, to which you're now uh, ascribing your current week performance, I think. No, I'm, I'm ascribing my current week performance is you were so critical. So you're not of the last... denying the current week performance. The just, last... We're just disputing what the reason for it is. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the monkeys there are basically dealing with the fact of death and old age that basically your certainties of youth go away. And as you stumble towards the grave I think you begin death, to lose the confidence. Away. So yes, your certainties go away with death, but every mental faculty closes down. Yes. I mean it depends how you, you your def- clarity also disappears as long as long as your every your clarity, your uh, lyricism, your um libido, they all go, all the L's by clarity. Fair enough. Um all right, should we chop that one up to uh, Mr. Dolby then? Uh, I think it's only fair because his song was actually about death. <laughs> yes, all right, he's one on that rule. That technicality. Yeah. So it must be the monkeys to, to tee off round four. And yes. Round four could be philosophy. Uh, yes, it's philosophy, then yes. food, and then the wild oh, card. Oh. Ooh. Everyone holds their breath for the wild card because it just creates the edge of drama throughout the episode. Yes. So much needed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're uh, we're on to round four. Philosophy. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. I have, I have St. Matthew. Okay. Oh, he was in the monkeys? No, it's the song, St. Matthew. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's a song about a philosopher. 
and about a stage in a philosopher's life. Okay. Um, and it's by Mike Nesmith. And see if you can work out what the philosopher is. Okay. Who the philosopher is and what the hell he's talking about. She walks around on brass wings that never touch her feet. She speaks in conversations that never are complete. And looking over past things that she has never done, she calls herself St. Matthew when she is on the run. Right. Okay. Uh, let's just pick another one, which might help. Part of it is loneliness and knowing how to steal, but most of it is wearying us from standing up, trying not to kneel. So it's a female figure calling herself. It's Matthew. not a female figure. I thought we had a she in there. It is a she in there, but he's being metaphorical. Ah, oh. so it's a male philosopher who sometimes refers to himself as Saint Matthew. Mm, sort of. You're probably not going to get it. Try, try this bit. I feel that. <laughs> she discovered three ways that she could help the dead. Sometimes she must raise her hand to tell you what she said. Just raise her hand. Yeah. There's a man famous for raising his hand. Again, our sponsor, Two. Mr. Adolf Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> 20th century greatest handmaid. Oh, yeah. philosopher, yeah. So, yeah. gosh, the monkeys hid their worship of Hitler very deeply. <laughs> in the it's the last train to. Uh, I don't know. Last train to. Um, to yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> original version. Oh. Um, okay. Um, so he's, he's, okay, I'll give you a few clues. He's, it's actually talking about a pop philosopher. Oh. Who might be said to speak in conversations that are never complete? Bob Dylan. Yes. <laughs> yes. First lyric. <laughs> uh, Bob Dylan. Um, yeah, and the, you know, the, sometimes she must raise her hand to tell you what he said. So you know, there's somebody who has to, oh. and. And then, standing in a landslide, she suddenly becomes a girl that just named St. Matthew and she is on the run. Um, essentially, the claim by Mike Nesmith um, is that the song is about Dylan and about Dylan's moving towards, um, um, before he knew about it, his moving towards a more Christian faith-based Okay. Start the pop music. It's in the 70s, didn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. See, most of it is weird. What he's saying is, uh, we got so most of it is weariness from standing up, trying not to kneel. So he's sort of saying at the core of Dylan is a man who is actually a deeply faithful person mm -hmm. who is more is weary from his resistance to kneeling and embracing faith. Mm. So what he's saying is he saw that Dylan was a spiritual, actually a spiritual animal who would embrace faith and he's running from it at the moment and so on. So it's quite a, it's quite a complex song yep. uh, in it. Um, and it's quite good that you've got it with Dylan. because <laughs> It's kind of Mike Nesmith's lyrics tend to be a bit like this. And he's often accused of writing fairly obscure lyrics and then claiming what they mean. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. in a sort of Nostradamus fashion. Yeah. Um, but that one, I I can sort of see. Yeah, there are things yeah. there that make sense. But you would certainly have to be told. I think what it's about. It's hard to work it out. Yeah. So, so gonna knock that one down, Mister Knockdown of the Monkey Jeans. <laughs> not sure. I am. I'm quite impressed. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Thomas Dalby's greatest lyrical contribution to philosophy was, um, I feel, blinding me with science. Actually. Scientism is um, a criticism that a lot of philosophers make of uh, the role of science in the 20th and 21st century, that science is claiming to uh, be able to explain lots of things that in fact can't, and that you know, scientism is the idea that you know, we're putting too much credence in science and that there will always be things uh, above and beyond that. So his rebuttal of scientism, uh, she blinded me with science, the spheres are in commotion, the elements yeah. in harmony, but she blinded me with science and failed me in geometry. So she, and I presume that's a, a lover or a love interest. Or Bob Dylan again. And again, um, blinded Thomas Dolby with science, but failed him in geometry. 
So somehow, in a angular sense, he's not happy. Okay. I liked it more when I wrote it down than when I say it. I yeah. I I I wouldn't do this to you, funny. but I, I I'm tempted to accuse you of taking a a lyric by Thomas Dolby about a teacher and trying to claim it's about philosophy. The spheres are in commotion. Yeah. Elements that's... in harmony. Now that's broader than your than your summer afternoon maths class, isn't yeah. it? I can think of a couple of teachers with some spheres in motion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I was impressed by the uh, by the monkeys Dylan knocked down. So let's, I... let's go for the first the first yeah. point the match. Well, and it keeps the uh, keeps the tension, doesn't um, it? Doesn't it nicely? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so that's a good. That's a good one. So we're on. So we're on one one. I think. It's food, isn't it? Uh, round two. Uh, round. Round five. Round. Yes. Round five. So I've got two uh, food lyrics from uh, Mr. Dolby. Yeah. Two on, um, from a song called Weightless, which goes, yeah. Big hunk of carrot cake, blueberry. <laughs> That's a great line. Big hunk, Big of, hunk carrot. of carrot cake, blueberry milkshake, fistful of cold drinks, which I presume is an American over the counter cold remedy. Won't fix yeah. the empty feeling in Lizzie's heart. Mm. Mm. And from a jealous thing called Love, when you told me her eyes were roving, then you warned me I might lose her. I remember the conversation and the dim sum that we shared. Dim sum, <laughs> combination of Chinese dumplings often served at lunchtime at Chinese restaurants. Yeah. So very specifically, we have carrot cake, milkshake, and dim sum. Dim sum. Okay. I mean, so here I he's suppose... talking about food, not alluding to food or alluding to places that you could jump off from to go and get some food, or you could, you know, talking about food. Yes. This is why I put these lyrics in the food round. Thomas Dotty talking about food. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, one way of judging this round could be how tasty is the meal he's describing? Carrot cake, milkshake, and dim sum. Yeah. You've got it all covered, haven't you? You've got your, you've got your drink, you've got your main course, you've got your afters. Yeah. I mean, I mean is this he... Philosophoff or MasterChef? I don't know. But let, let, okay, let's hear. Let's hear the, the monkey's food lineup yes. and see how that meal would compare. If they've got, you know, a lineup that I'd genuinely rather eat than dim sum, milkshake, and carrot cake, they can have the second one. Okay. You know, yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's... Okay. Uh, I love you, girl, and that's the truth. Yeah. I need you. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. It's not going to go all yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. Is it sixties? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Give me just a little help, and to show how much I care, yeah. I bring you apples, peaches, bananas, and pears. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, basically, there's a lot of lyrics, and they all end with, and just to show how much I care, I bring you apples, peaches, bananas, and pears. Yeah. So um... basically, I will give you a gift of apples, peaches, bananas, and pears. Okay, so that's your option for your two meals. Apples, peaches, bananas and pears or dim sum, milkshake and carrot cake. I mean, which diet are you going to live longer on? On Desert Island? I think... Apples, peaches, I think. Uh, I think Mr. Dolby's got you. I think he's got carbs and protein, which just sounded like he's getting those four fruits. Yeah, but he's on a desert island. How's he going to make a milkshake and dim sum? And carrot cake, if it comes down to it. Well. I mean, you you introduced the desert island. Uh, I did, didn't I? Okay. I, did. okay. I mean. In, in, a, in a mid-price restaurant uh, in, uh, um, in the first world. Yes. And you've got dim sum, milkshake and carrot cake. The problem is I don't really like dim sum. But then I don't also don't like peaches. Well, it's about survival, not so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. How, 
How much vitamin? Oh, I suppose you've got carrots in there, haven't you? Is it a good job you had the carrot cake? Mm, yeah. Took the carrot cake out of the picture. Okay, yeah. No, we'll go with yeah. that. We'll, we'll give that one to Thomas Dolby. And it better, also puts all pitch. the tension back on the wild card round. Oh, because this would be a victory to Thomas Dolby or... I know, I know. Ooh, we had almost a... like we planned this. Yes. At odds with anything else we've ever done on this podcast, it's almost like we planned this. It is, it is. So, does the monkey want to play their wild card? And then we can go for a neat summing up and smooth segue out to fame. Okay. Um, okay, so this is a... This song uh, is called Daily Night, Nightly, okay? And it yeah. has... It has, um, as well as, it's got an interesting place in pop history. It's considered to be a very early psychedelic song. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's the first use of the Moog synthesizer in mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Which, let's face it, Thomas Dobby's not going to be able to beat that because he wasn't al- probably wasn't alive when this song was recorded. So. Speaking of revolutionary electronic instruments, I tell you, I'm thinking of selling my theremin. Because I haven't touched it for years. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Just letting that sink in, really. Um, mm-hmm. Just pausing there, let the laughter die down. And then yeah, you went for ten seconds. If you if you're driving and you heard that joke, you know, pull in to lay and laugh, <laughs> laugh safely. Don't, don't just um, if if you're in a group of people on a train, maybe, or on the uh, on the tube. Stop listening now. Take the earphones out and um, just explain to the people uh, around they you. They are stopping joke. listening and taking the earphones out. <laughs> the the, the, the listening not... figures clearly show that it's, it's not something we just include in the broadcast. They're no, um, that very much themselves. But but that uh, time for a quick ad break now. That joke and some others like that joke will be appearing on our best of album, um, including such memorable bits as uh, when Ian's cat came into the room. Yes. Um, when um when the internet connection when the internet knocked on the door oh we should do a best we should do a um what is it a a flashback episode yes do you remember that do you remember that time when we um when we talked about napoleon advancing on russia crazy crazy days were we ever that young um so back to the regular show uh daily and nightly um okay so first use of the mooc synthesizer here's some lyrics Dark and rolling figures move through prisms of no colour. Hand in hand, they walk the night but never know each other. Passion pastel neon lights light up the jeweled traveller who, lost in scenes of smoke-filled dreams, finds questions but no answers. He's talking about Thomas Dolby here in advance and his posing of questions with no answers. Startled lights that sometimes seem phantasmagoric splendour pirouette down Paisley Pass with pennies for the vendor salvation yours for just the time it pays to pay, it takes to pay the dancer for once again such anxious men find questions but no answers and it goes on like that it certainly does yes um what do you feel the message is what is the wild card topic the message of that is <laughs> don't let mike nesmith write stuff when he's stoned yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's basically there. Now, the interesting thing, though, was Mike Nesmith was teetotal, but Peter Tork was very stoned. Um, so I think it's perhaps a critique of drugs and so on, um, that in looking for them, you're finding questions, but you're, you're going to get questions, but no answers. Mm. You put yourself into a psychedelic state. Um, you're not going to find the answers in there. If you're lost... If you're lost in scenes of smoke-filled dreams... Well, you're lost in Juarez and it's wintertime too. Another stolen lyric. <laughs> just because people use the same word, it doesn't make... You can't just say someone's used the word lost before. Whole chunks <laughs> dripping blood. <laughs> lost in scenes of smoke-filled dreams, you find questions but no answers. So I think that's what what he's saying is he's doing a, quite a psychedelic song, but he's basically saying you're not going to find the answers there. Mm. Okay, so he's sort of setting you up and then knocking you down. Mm. So, Mr. Dolby, we're certainly knocking you down, mm. Mr. Dolby. 
in his wildcard round uh, explains the midlife crisis to us, which I think is a suitable topic for a whole um, a separate episode there. Yes, yeah, so we've done the difficult second album, so we've kind of separated from that. The so, difficult midlife crisis. Oh, yes. I can but, imagine that getting quite dark towards the middle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 39 and needs some leeway. Soon you're eyeing the overseas page. The trains are running late as you close the garden gate. Step through your steel front door frame. Dinner's in the microwave, sweetie. Doesn't that just give you everything you need to know about uh, the midlife crisis? 39 and you need some leeway. You know, something is kind of unfulfilled. Right. So when you're eyeing the overseas page, new opportunities are starting to appeal. The trains are running late as you close the garden gates. Your, you know, your, your, your suburban um, cocoon is starting to feel um, more of a prison, perhaps, than the, uh, than the paradise you first saw it as. Step through your steel front door frame. Dinner's in the microwave, sweetie. That, uh, you know, what started as an all-consuming love ends up with a transaction of processed ready meals and buttons to be pushed while you eat separately in the tears of your own solace. Let's not do midlife crisis. Not, um, <laughs> not gonna I, 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 I honestly, I, I oh, try to put this it's kind of, you know, he's not saying anything that anybody hasn't said or thought or, you know, it's just... Oh, excuse me, Mr. Apples, Pears, Tangerines and... Hey, different round, different round. <laughs> oh, that makes it all right. <laughs> different round. Yeah, this is the wildcard round. You know, what's he saying? He's saying... Um... <laughs> he is. Although you seem to have interpreted every round as a wildcard round. <laughs> And thereby lies the secret. Um, <laughs> In the song you're, about war. You're not, you're not, not happy. You're not, you're not happy with the last train to Clark through as an anti-war song, are you? You're really not happy. That was that, that was a that was a bridge too far for um, Ian. Wait, that's in terms of Gene, you tank driving general. Yeah. Yes, I had I had wake up sleepy Gene, but I really couldn't work out what the hell they're talking about when you read the lyrics to that. It's oh. um, it's quite confusing. Um, no, it, it's just that um, I don't know. I, I just don't feel he's. I don't feel he's giving us a new spin, or he's saying something that's making you think. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. You know, um, I mean, he's he's a way. You know, you could say something interesting like he's obviously having a bit of a dull life. Yeah. Is that because he's turning thirty nine and forty, or has he just got himself into a rut? You know, and he's viewing the midlife as being the cause of this when actually, you know, Jesus, cook something nice. Don't put it in the microwave. Mm. You know, sort your life out, mate. Uh, that wouldn't scan. Step to your <laughs> front door, do a risotto on the, on the stovetop or something. Yeah. No. Uh, it's... Where does that leave us in this philosophy, and how are we going to do a neat fade-out segue? Um, Is the whole yeah. second-round philosophy declared null and void, and we have to come back with new contenders next time? Do we toss a coin? Do we go to corners? Um, we don't have a rule book for this, do we? No, no. Right. So at the moment, I feel we're on a yeah. I feel we're we're on a, a two 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 draw, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, we could do most number one hits. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah. well done to the monkeys on that second round <laughs> exactly. victory. Uh, Mr. Um, Dolbean didn't even uh, get a sniff of a number 76 hit. I don't believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fittest wife? <laughs> don't know. Well, yeah, I uh, bet monkeys have some fit wives. I don't know, really. Yeah, they're not, not famous for having... Um, uh, I, oh I, gosh! Who's um, invented Tipex? Oh, I best album name. Best album name. Okay. How's that? Oh. Okay. No, too too short notice. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, best album name. Uh, Circle Sky. Retrospectacle. 
Yep, fair enough. Thomas Dolby's got it. Oh, oh in there. Back of the net. I mean, it basically. Come. It was almost as if we'd planned the drama in the episode, which usually we can't be accused of. <laughs> so we've got uh, Victor well, Thomas Dolby in the second round of our Philosoph, which yes. does mean that he comes up against Gary Barlow next time. No, I feel that's getting. I feel we need a a, a okay. wider run. Oh, so we need two more primaries, and then we'll have four semis. <laughs> four quarters. Two semis. I, don't, I think semis. you should leave the fact that you've got a semi out of this. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you do realise by settling it with best album name, yeah, we could have just no, it's not that. It just means that the previous hour was a complete waste of time and we could have saved everybody and our time. I'm just going, best album name. Oh, I, I think on, uh, I th I'm, I'm hoping that if we've, if we've managed to get you to think, oh, who's Thomas Dolby? I ought to give his lyrics a list and find out if he's got any more food hints you, or. <laughs> you really shouldn't. <laughs> you really shouldn't. Or you, you or you. have wasted an hour of your life, please. <laughs> Don't waste or, <laughs> or you're thinking, I think, or you're thinking, I wonder what other songs the monkeys could be <laughs> claimed to be about war. Mm. Um, then, if you're thinking any of that, why not go and listen and come back next for the next episode when we'll probably do one of our regular episodes, and then after that will be another falafel. Yes, and there might even be a guest, and it might be about a conspiracy. Yes, That's from me. Hey, right. Goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Standing on the Feet of Idiots. To find out more, go to soundcloud.com forward slash feet of idiots. If you want to email us, the email address feetofidiots at mail.com. Keep the home fast burning.